This is Hemet. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash Friendly Atheist Podcast to give us all of your Christmas gifts. Mm-hmm. We appreciate it. Merry Christmas to you, Jess. Merry Christmas, Hemet. Uh, it's the morning after, and I thought I was a little out of it and a little hungover, and then you spent five minutes trying to find FaceTime on your phone. I don't know where it is on my phone. I blame my kids. You you know you're supposed to parent them and not just give them a phone, right? Okay, listen, there's a pandemic. <laughs> and so I go to, there's a Panera near me and they have I go there often for like coffee in the morning or something. It, mm-hmm. it gets me out of the house for two minutes. <laughs> and every like ninety percent of the time, it's always a mystery what's in the bag, even though I've ordered the same thing for the past like nine months. <laughs> it's like a surprise of how they're gonna screw it up. And I don't know how until I open my bag, even though I ordered the same thing in the same way. And today's answer was no sweetener in the coffee, Oof. which I did not plan for because I didn't have any substitutes. Other times it's a different cream cheese. Other times it's just half a bagel missing. Who knows? Um, and I don't know why I still go back there, but I still want to get out of my house for like yeah. three minutes. So. Leave in your house every day. Do you want me to just buy you a bag of bagels? No, that's exactly <laughs> what I don't want because I need to get out. You don't have sugar in your house? Um, I don't have the, the Splendas. I don't know. Oh, but again, it's like, why do I go back there? Oh, right. It gets me out for a little while. And it's the only outdoor time I will have. There are other places. And yeah, like, no, there are not. (laughs) Like, of course, it's you want to be sympathetic. It's a pandemic. These people who are working are risking their lives. So we can have this like, I'm not mad. (laughs) Then also I went to Mikey and I went to Panera (laughs) because we both were really craving, um, soup and so we got two oh fuck you it's soup it's soup in the winter can i have one thing all right and we got home and there were like we both got soup and bread bowls and they did not give us any kind of bread products at all and so i just sat there eating soup and it's just the same thing of like they fucked it up so significantly, but also it's a pandemic. Right. So it's more comical than I'm angry. And it's like, well, we'll see if you get it right tomorrow. <laughs> you know that Uncle Julio's that we used to go to sometimes, that Mexican place by us? Oh, yeah, yeah. They, uh, I got um, Portobello fajitas and they literally, like... <laughs> I got it. And they didn't give me tortillas, any accoutrement, and there were no portobellas in the fajitas. So it was just a pot. I just paid like $20 for a pile of like bell peppers and onions. And like, I didn't even get like a tiny thing of guac or whatever. Pandemic rules, man. Yeah. It's, uh, honestly, they were pretty good. I'm not going to lie. It was still (laughs) like, it still kind of rocked my world because I didn't make it. You want to start heavy? No, we're still making heavy? small talk. No, no, no. Small talk. Small, 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 small. What'd you get what for Christmas, you um, What'd you get for Christmas? Tell me about your Christmas day. What did your kids get? Oh, they got way too damn much. What did <laughs> I get? Um, I don't he's know. He's looking around his house as if he's just going to see what he got. I'm debate. I don't even think I got socks this time. The family was... I'm good. It was all good. It was, it's a lot of weird kid toys than anything else. I got socks. They were great. Also, see the sweater I'm wearing? My mom made made it. Wow. And it's so fucking cozy. It's great. Excellent. Anyway, okay. I got Panera gift cards. That's what I got. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Hammond, say your sad stories. All right. All right. We're going to start with. Ah, uh, let's talk about this one. Ravi Zacharias. Do we, we've talked about him a little bit before. Do you remember the name? Not at all. Okay. He is a Christian apologist. He's a guy who spent his entire career, decades long career, writing books and all that, trying to convince people Christianity is true through logic and reason. And um, I will say part of me kind of appreciates that anyone who can do that does do that because they're grappling with those questions and trying to say, no, there is a reason I believe this stuff. It's not faith alone. I have evidence behind it. It's not that they're convincing. It's that they're trying or they're at least trying to play by the same rules that atheists try to bring up. 
So this guy was known as a Christian apologist. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it's not appealing to me, but whatever. Um, he got in a kerfuffle a few years ago, which I think we talked about on here because he had embellished his resume. He was calling himself Dr. Zacharias. He would get introduced before speeches as Dr. Zacharias. Yeah. You think he earned a doctorate in something somewhere and he never did. He was an, he got an honorary doctorate um, from some Christian schools. And that's a nice award, I guess. But again, you're not a doctor then. So that was one thing. He also said he had like, he was a visiting scholar at Oxford. And it's like, dude, you went to like a Christian seminary thing that was on Oxford's campus. Oh, yeah. Like, okay, I remember this. You're lying about this. Oxford would not say you were a scholar at Oxford. They, they do like not claim that. you, sir. That's right. And so anyway, that was one thing, but whatever. That's not a new scandal. It's happened to plenty of people of all stripes before. Then a couple of years ago, there was a scandal. Not long after that, there was another scandal involving like a sexting thing where some woman um, who uh, his side of the story is that some woman wouldn't stop leaving him alone. She was sending him explicit photos on his phone. He never met her privately um, and he wanted her to stop. She wouldn't stop. And then according to him, her and her husband were trying to get money out of him in order to keep this uh, a secret. And her side of the story is that they met him at a conference, which is true. And that uh, he invited her and her husband to like be with him, be near him. And uh, the husband says he basically knew that she respected him and liked him. So he got really close to her. She confided in him and it became more explicit over time. And ultimately, like, he's taking advantage of this. And he's the one who solicited photos from her. And they tried to file a lawsuit. And anyway, I'm not going to get into... I, there's nothing to get into. It's a he said, she said, that sort of thing. Uh -huh. But both sides settled this out of court. And with the understanding, we don't know if any money exchanged hands. What we do know is that there was a non-disclosure agreement so no one's talking about this anymore. Okay. And so that's kind of where that left off. So it's like, well, what do you want us to make of this? That's a little weird. But every side kind of went to their respective camps because this is done with now. Sure. Okay. So this guy, Ravi Zacharias, died in May. Um, it was cancer. Uh, it happened during the pandemic, but it was cancer. He died. And then after that, it turns out there was an atheist YouTuber named Steve Bauman. And Steve is the first guy who really said, hey, this guy's lying about his resume. Kind of broke the door wide open on this stuff. Uh -huh. And he said, hey, guess what? Ravi Zacharias has a side hustle. He owns two uh, health spas, massage spas, parlors in Georgia, which I guess not that weird. Like if you're rich, you invest in side businesses. That's yeah. not unusual. I don't know what rich people do. Yeah, yeah. So he said a couple of the women who worked there said, uh, what did he say? They were sexually out of control. He was sexually out of control with the female therapists over whom he had professional power. Uh oh. So I didn't know how seriously to take all that because of the source. Not that I don't trust Steve, but it's like, well, you're not showing me who these women are. They want to remain anonymous. Sure. Um, it's coming from you. It's not necessarily coming from a reporter that I know has a long track record in this. So I wasn't sure how much seriously to take it. But one thing Steve Bauman said is, listen, if you're a reporter and you want to do this, I'll give you the information I have. Talk to me. And one actually did. Um, Daniel Silliman at Christianity Today ended up speaking, I assume, with Steve and then with the women at these places. And Christianity Today is an evangelical publication. Right. Daniel eventually published a piece saying with three women on the record, he said, we know who they are. We vetted them. We know their job history. They did work here. But they want to remain anonymous. They don't want to be harassed. They don't want to be known for this thing. Mm -hmm. um, but he said, according to them, uh, Zacharias, and I'm quoting, touched them inappropriately, exposed uh -oh. himself, and masturbated during regular treatments over a period of about five years, unquote. Uh, one woman said he pleasured himself 50 times in front <gasps> of her, in addition to propositioning her. Oh, dang. Okay, so all that came out. 
Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, which is the longtime ministry of his, they still exist, even though he is gone. Um, and it's run by his family members, which again, eh, not great, but that's not necessarily Trump sh- level shady. Sure. Um, but the ministry said like, well, we deny it, but we will hire people to investigate the matter, which, hmm. you know, how seriously do you want to take it when right. a ministry says, yeah, we'll inv-, that's the Catholic church saying we'll investigate. Our <laughs> right. Whatever. Right. Those shuffle so, papers. I, around, I'm like, I don't know. I couldn't exactly. find That was my fear. And so what was weird is that this week they actually put out a statement regarding their investigation, which I was not expecting. (laughs) And here's what they basically said. We hired a law firm to look into this. I should say the law firm is not known for doing uh, sexual abuse sort of investigations. So that was like, that's red flag right there. But they said we hired a law firm. They're not done with their investigation, but they released a preliminary report and they shared that with us. And we're going to share it with all of you. Okay. And I was surprised they published that because here's a section of what it said. This is from the lawyers who said we contracted with private investigators and we are still working on this. It's not going to be done until January, maybe February. Uh But this is from the lawyers. While some of the massage therapists we have tried to interview are not willing to share their experiences with us, many have spoken candidly and with great detail. Combining those interviews with our review of documents and electronic data, we have found significant, credible evidence that Mr. Zacharias engaged in sexual misconduct over the course of many years. Some of that misconduct is consistent with and corroborative of that which is reported in the news recently. (laughs) Some of the conduct we have uncovered is more serious. Really? So they posted that. And then the ministry added, we are heartbroken at learning this, but feel it is necessary to be transparent and to inform our staff, donors, and supporters at this time, even while the investigation continues. Okay. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of curious what else they're going to uncover that we don't already know. Um, I should also point out that members of the ministry, because they have a board, they have people who have worked, they have a staff. A couple of them have spoken out in recent weeks saying, we quit, we're leaving the senior leader. I'm paraphrasing here, but the senior leadership has been lying to us. They kind of said, we believe the women speaking out and we don't like how the people in charge of the ministry, including his family, are basically trying to dismiss everything as if it's all persecution. And they're like, we feel like you're not telling us everything and we're part of the leadership here. And so we're quitting. Like we don't want to be a part of this anymore. And they're seeing the writing on the wall and they're trying to get out. And I don't know if, I don't know if they're exiting was kind of the reason the ministry said we need to share this. Like we can't hide this. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know if that was the reason, but it the chron- the chronology there is certainly telling. So I don't know. I don't know what happens now. The ministry, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, is a multi-million dollar organization. They haven't uh-huh. re- publicly released their nonprofit 990s, which tells you how much money they have, uh-huh. which any good nonprofit does release privately. If not, I mean, you have to file it with the IRS, but you don't have to release it publicly. Okay. They have not released it publicly since 2015. And by the way, some of the people who left the organization said, why aren't we doing that? We should be. We have nothing to hide. Like, show people how much we make. Show people where it's going. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, so, like, but they have millions of dollars. What do you do? What do they do? If it comes back and we learn Ravi Zacharias did everything everyone's accusing him of doing, um, I mean, my suggestion, I think they should shut down. I think I don't care about their I don't care about the jobs if you're working at a place like that necessarily. I don't know. Um, I know they're not all to blame for what he did. I know most of them didn't know he was doing any of this. But like, I don't know that they should be like sad at losing that job in particular. That said, I mean, donate the money to nonprofits that work with abuse victims, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I don't I don't know what they do from here. A formal apology to the women that they basically dismissed for years. To the the married couple who... Oh, by the way, I didn't say this. The married couple that said, we want to tell our side of the story, but we we signed an NDA with the settlement with Ravi Zacharias. Mm. They said the ministry still will not release us 
from the NDA. Really? So we can't talk about this anymore, which now that we know about this massage parlor thing, like I, I kind of want to hear their it. story. Yeah. Um, I will say they have shared their story online, but not through any, uh, like Official. not through any, yeah, exactly. Not through any official means and certainly not like under oath or anything like that. And they should, they ended up doing it after he died. Cause they're like, screw it. We're just kind of coming out and saying, it. can you, <clears throat> uh, can you walk me through the timeline again? So um, he, after he died in May, okay, um, so he died in May. And yeah, then the they, story that Steve Bauman released hinting that something bad is happening at these massage parlors was uh, August or September, I think. Okay. And, um, and that's and when the, they started digging in. Yeah, and the Christianity Today article that spoke with them came out at the end of September. Hmm. And again, the there's nothing wrong with their journalism in that sense. Like, I, no one said, like, nope, Christianity Today is lying about it. No. Right. Um, that was at the end of September. And since then, that's when the investigation started. So it's been about three months. I'm really curious what his death had to do with, like kicking all of this off. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Alive, would they have done the exact same thing or was it just now that he's dead, he can't put up blockades for us or whatever. Yeah. That's interesting. It's a good question. I don't know. Um, I've heard some criticism online. Like why are y'all kicking this guy's reputation when he's dead? Like it's right. disrespectful, but also Which no, I don't agree with it all, but like, and it's not it's like just, anyone was waiting until he died to, to trash him. It's right. Now, now we know about it. It wouldn't mm-hmm. matter if he was alive or dead. Like the story's out. It's it's we should investigate it. And again, um, well, massage parlor aside, like these things go to the heart of his ethics that he sure. espoused. So it seems like that's a far cry from. Yeah. Um, yeah. So disturbing story. I. Yeah. I don't know how it's going to end. It's definitely one I'm following because as far as like Christian apologists go, he's one of the the few people, him like Lee Strobel who wrote all those case for Christ books. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only a few that, and William Lane Craig who does a lot of debates. There's a handful of them that have, if you're in atheist circles that likes debating this stuff mm-hmm. that has discussed this stuff online, or you read books about it, those names pop up over and over. He was one of them. And so it's like, this isn't a nobody in the world of debating theology, God's existence, all that mm-hmm. stuff. So interesting <laughs> story. Now, let me go to a totally, totally different story that is at least somewhat less, eh, it's more frivolous. Okay. God's Not Dead. Remember that movie? Uh-huh. Watch it in Memphis. God's Not Dead 4 is starting to be filmed Next Ooh, I missed. I knew there was a two. I missed three somehow. Yeah, a lot of people missed three. You were not alone. Um, and they're filming now during the pandemic. I assume this art is so back. necessary. <laughs> I guess, I mean, there's movies that have been filmed. I know they have their own yeah, protocols. All that. I'm not bothered by that so much. David A. R. White, who is the guy who founded Pure Flix, the the movie studio that produces these trashy Christian That's movies. Pure Flix, not a porn site. <laughs> um, he is also he was a star of God's Not Dead three. He had oh. roles in the oh, first he, two. He's Sofia Coppola in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He posted on Instagram last week uh, that hey, here's the update on what the film's doing. I was I'm so I'm because I'm me. I'm pausing this Instagram video because at one point he holds up a binder. He's like, "This is the script. We have it." And if you zoom in on it, you could see like this is the whatever ninth draft of the script, which again, that's not weird. But I'm like, when was draft one written? Draft one was written more than a year ago. They've been working on this for a year, which when the movie comes out and we all see it and we're like, what the hell is wrong with this movie? It's like they went through many revisions of this. How the hell is this not the first draft? Um, in case and you they didn't tap me for any of those. Which I know they haven't said who's in it. We don't know if Kevin Sorbo makes a repeat appearance we don't know if the guy from sex in the city who was in the third version uh john corbett john John corbett Corbett my big fat greek wedding guy was in god's i don't know if he's in the fourth one they haven't said who's melissa joan hart we don't know 
Um, oh, but just in case you need a refresher on the money side of this thing, because I'm like, this has to just be a money thing, right? They're making it because God's not dead, um, made a lot of money. And, and I don't know if they're still making it, but let me give you a refresher on this. God's not dead one. The first weekend it was out, it made $9 million, okay. um, an average of about $11,800 every theater it was in. Not bad. Um, no. It made more than $64 million altogether in okay. 2014. Yeah, that's why it was a phenomenon. The second one, which came out in 2016, made $7.6 million uh, on its first weekend with an average of 3000 per theater. Way big. Uh, it's a quite a bit, bit of a drop there. Yeah. But- and it made about $24 million. Still well above whatever they spent on it. Not I bad. I could ask what their budget was, but you don't know. Uh, I don't know, but it was probably a few million dollars. And so they made 24 Very good if you're a movie producer. God's Not Dead 3. Um, a light in darkness made 2.6 million that first weekend, average of 1500 per theater, and that one made about seven million. Like, hmm. even if they ended up in the black, it's not by much, it could not have been by much. Yeah, no, it looks like, according to a cursory Google search, the original budget for God's Not Dead is two million, and God's Not Dead 2 was five million, so they turned a tidy profit. On those first two, absolutely. And the yeah. third, maybe they did too. What's weird is if you watch God's Not Dead 3, it has nothing to do with like the question of God's Not Dead. It's not a theology They're just coasting debate. on that, that title. That's exactly what it is. They're coasting on the title. And according to David A.R. White, the fourth film is called God's Not Dead, We the People. And he said oh, he's inspired. Oh. He's inspired by the classic Frank Capra film, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, mm. which is where Jimmy Stewart uh, plays a senator, a guy who gets appointed senator, uh-huh. and then does, stages a filibuster to stand up for what's right. And he collapses on the floor, but it works. He's Very good movie. Yeah. And so my guess, this is purely speculation on my part, is this film has to do with a politician who's going to like filibuster for abortion or trans against trans people. I don't know. The abortion, you're right. I mean, Pure Flicks already made their abortion movie, so I don't know what they're going to do here. But it has nothing to do with God's Not Dead. It's just another culture war movie where Mm -hmm. they append God's Not Dead to the front of it, hoping you remember those movies. Come watch it. Like no (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no one was asking for this movie, but they are giving it to us anyway. Merry Christmas. Um, I mean, I think the joke I've seen online everywhere is at this point, you might as well just literally beat a dead horse for two hours and it'll make the same point. (laughs) But that movie is going to start filming in Oklahoma in January. Oklahoma, huh? Oklahoma. Oh, that's uh, (laughs) good stuff. Maybe. I don't know. Um, Uh, I do at the end of this program, I would like to discuss with you several Christmas movies that I've watched over the last two days. Um, and I just want to, it's what we call a teaser. I'll, I'll (laughs) I'll circle back on that. Okay. Okay. Including the Dolly Parton musical. Spoiler alert. I fucking loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about a wedding venue in North Carolina. This type of story we've heard before, but there this shouldn't is the latest be wedding venues right now, y'all. There shouldn't be. Well, there's a place in North Carolina called the Warehouse on Ivy. Sounds interesting, but again, I've seen pictures on the website. It's a cute place. They hold weddings, bar mitzvahs. I don't know. You name the event, they hold it. And um, a woman named Brianna. Uh, email them saying, hi, I'm looking to get married in 2022 and I'm trying to reserve a date at your place well in advance. You know, can you tell me about your openings for the dates and stuff? And this is very funky. Yeah. And they asked her, you know, uh, we need to know some basic information. How many guests are you thinking of? And what's your uh, spouse's name? And she Mm -hmm. said, "Uh, sorry, this is Casey who sent the email and she said, my bride's name is Brianna. Because they're same-sex couple. And the venue wrote back and said, as we would love to have you at our venue, unfortunately, we do not host same-sex marriage ceremonies. We do appreciate you considering us. Thanks. So, at this point, we kind of have a game plan for how this stuff works. But I should say, North Carolina, that sort of discrimination against same-sex couples is legal uh, for businesses 
they don't have uh, non-discrimination protection like that over there. So there's nothing illegal in what they did right there. But what's the game plan? What do you do if you're the couple? Oh, I would probably take to Twitter and tear them the fuck apart. That is the right answer. (laughs) Um, Brianna went on Facebook and basically said, if you're wondering how wedding planning is going, thanks so much to the warehouse on Ivy for letting us know we're not welcome. Oh, no. They posted the email exchange. Uh, The news followed up. And again, I don't mind any of this because... No one's saying harass these people for being Christian. They're basically saying, hey, you should all know this place that happens to be run by these Christians has like a no gays allowed policy. And they're apparently they're fine. I mean, that is their policy. They're not lying about this venue. I -hmm. think if you're going to be one of these anti-gay Christian bakeries or wedding venues or florists or whatever that doesn't do same sex. Let us know. Let us know. Put a big sign on your door that says we don't have gay people in here. No gay cooties allowed. And if you're not going to put up a sign that says that and you're looking on the website right now, there's nothing that says anything like that. Then guess what? Then it's everyone else's job to Mm -hmm. let the world know, hey, if you want to give this place your business before you do that, you should know what they think about gay people. Uh, And I think that's a valid thing. Hey, if they don't, if they're unhappy, what are, if you're the wedding venue owners who, by the way, will not speak to the press about any of this, what is your complaint? What is your complaint here? Like people are attacking us. Yeah, no, they're basically quoting your email and letting right. the world know you don't want to do business with same-sex couples. And I'm sure there are plenty of questions for your actions. Yeah, there's plenty of straight couples that would like to know that before they mm-hmm. debate where they're going to hold their wedding. Right. Um, look, their Yelp reviews have tanked. Yelp put a stop to that saying like, we don't uh, like we see unusual activity here. We don't think any of these people actually rented out the place. So we don't want their review. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah, I don't like shit like that. Um, But yeah, like, I have no problem with them telling the world that if you Google the warehouse on Ivy, it's a bigoted institution. Like, Christians should hold their bigotry proud. Go ahead. Let the world know you are anti-gay. And then, you know, let's see what the fair market does to these people. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, that's. Um, Can you believe this shit is like... I know, it's still happening. Like, taking one step back, like... Really? This is this is what you're you're it's a warehouse. <laughs> you probably bought it for ten grand and like put some neat lighting fixtures in there and now you're making money hand over fist. Like why do you give a fuck who gets married? It's so weird. Yeah. Like, and I don't know who horrible else. and depressing, but like I it's wonder so who weird. Else too. Yeah. I I have heard, I mean, this does not happen often, but there have been places, churches included, that are like, sorry, the Bible says we can't do interracial weddings. That's obviously yeah. not, that's not something most conservative Christians would stand behind or defend. But it's like right. obviously I think most of them would say, Well, that's wrong. And we can't support that. It's like, yeah, well. What's the difference between you saying, where's the line? Why is this the thing you want to, why is this the hill you want to die on? I don't get it. Yeah. Um, Stupid. We talked about God's not dead. It only seems natural. We should talk about the other Christian actor, uh, Kirk Cameron. Kirk Cameron is in the news again because he's holding super spreader events all over the, remember Sean Foyt, the guy who's doing concerts everywhere? No, but, uh, uh, He's the guy who went to, he's hosting like Sean Foyt, uh, goes around different cities, goes to like a big open, isolated, not isolated, big open area, holds concerts, invites all these Christians to come. No masks. They're all singing. Wait, did he do one near us? Uh, he, he's gone around and he just spreads COVID wherever he goes. It's right. weird. Uh, we talked about Lauren Daigle, that Christian singer last week, cause she appeared at one of his concerts and sang, and then she can't do the Dick Clark's rock and Eve this coming week. Oh, that's right. So, that's Sean Foyt. And he's a problem in and of himself. Kirk Cameron decided for Christmas, he's going to have caroling going on in public venues And he's hosting these like in-person Christmas carol events. And I think his thinking is, if you try to stop me, it's like you're trying to murder Christmas. Yeah, exactly. And he he did a couple of interviews, one of them with the far-right news outlet Newsmax. He said, there is immunity in community. 
which is not a thing. And that's not true at all. Because when you're together and you're singing, you're spreading the COVID. Then he said he has a big problem with the, and I'm quoting here, mask Gestapo. That was a thing he said. (laughs) And he told Mask Gestapo. Gestapo, because everything can be connected to the Nazis. And then he told Fox News that, like, listen, if you gather in groups and sing Christmas carols and love Jesus, you know what might happen? You might catch you might catch the hope virus. The hope? No, that's right. Um, Yeah. Like, okay, I'm offended by that on a few levels, but the main one is, like, that doesn't rhyme or have the same number of syllables as COVID. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) He could have done better with the marketing on his death rallies. Yeah, like, you know, sometimes you just need to run it by one other person, see how it bounces off them, because you get too close to something and you can't hear it anymore. Like pastors putting up those sexual innuendo church signs. Like, you should just run the text by a teenager before you put those up. Like, get on your knees for Jesus, that sort of thing. Um, I should say the actual Gestapo threatened everyone's lives. The people urging you to wear masks want to protect yours. It's not a good analogy in any sort of way. Yeah, but wouldn't you say being mildly inconvenienced and slightly not comfortable is basically the same thing as mass murdering an entire group of people? I mean, I'm not Christian, so I can't answer that for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for thank you for respecting the argument. Um, <laughs> God, these people are just dying to be prosecuted, they, aren't they, huh? Yes. They they just they just want everyone to stop them so Kirk Cameron can go back and say they hate Christians, which is not what any of this has to do with anything. I'm going to take a. It's just too much. I'm going to take a second to give a shout out to our sponsor for this week. I think most of our listeners would agree that a serious challenge of our time is that as a nation, we've lost our ability to think critically. Being Reasonable is an unconventional yet timely podcast where the host, Mark Solomon, examines just one belief that an invited guest claims to be true. It could be any belief from I believe in the power of Reiki, energy healing, to I believe in reincarnation, to I believe in ESP. And the goal of Being Reasonable is to have guests critically examine the reliability of their own beliefs and to identify under what circumstances they would be willing to change those beliefs. So Being Reasonable helps model and develop those skills required to better evaluate the truth value of any belief. It's why this podcast has partnered up with the school system and will soon be airing conversations with students as they discuss their beliefs. They've been especially supportive of this show. So, I mean, I certainly appreciate everything they've done. And I think fans of this show will value being reasonable. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you to Mark uh, for hosting that and for supporting us, too. We appreciate that. Thank you. Let me go to... You're going to like this one. This is a judge in um, California. Basically, a judge told a California church that the state's COVID restrictions that say you can't host indoor gatherings for large groups of people, unless you take certain precautions, mm-hmm. a church called Harvest Rock Church had really? sued because it, and it has 160 member churches. So we're not talking about just one place. These are a lot of churches under this umbrella that said, we want to host in-person gatherings and the state is stopping us from doing it. Oh, no. and we want you to overturn the law or we want the judge to say the law is wrong. They're stopping us and only us. Everybody yeah. else in the country is functionally functioning normally. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And by the way, they could host services outdoors Mm -hmm. if they wanted to. California allows for that, but they don't want to do that. Um, They also said, you're stopping us from worshiping, which again, not true. You could do it outside. You could do it over the internet. You don't have to stand in one place. And, but I want the reason I bring this up because those stories are, are all too plentiful, but let me read you what this judge wrote, which is amazing. Okay. Um, And this is U.S. District Judge Jesus Bernal, who wrote this. Um, The thing he's referencing here is the COVID restriction where they live is among the most strict. And it basically says no indoor gatherings for like 
X number of people, which uh-huh. this church says, no, no limitations. You're stopping us from worshiping. Here's what the judge said. Here's what the judge said. Plaintiffs paint a stark picture. They claim that tier one totally prohibits religious worship services of any kind in any number. This is not true. The First Amendment has not taken a sabbatical. Californians may still worship, attend services, pray, and otherwise exercise their religious freedoms. They just may not do so in ways that significantly increase the likelihood of transmission of a virus which has claimed more than 300,000 American lives in less than one year. The Constitution is not a suicide pact. The First Amendment may not be used to make it one. Fuck. Yeah. Damn. The Christians are appealing that ruling, by the way, because they just want to kill people with COVID. Oh, my Um, Lord. Man, I have never heard it put that bluntly and starkly. That's rough stuff. Also, my neighbors are biking up and down my street. So if you can hear my dog, she's protecting me against this small child on a bike with training wheels. Wow. It's very cold outside for biking. It is very cold outside. I really respect their fortitude. (laughs) Um, Pat Robertson said something weirdly sensible this week. It doesn't happen that often. It happens every once in a while. Sorry, I was still looking at the biker. Did you say Pat Robinson? (laughs) Pat Robertson said something sensible. And just to give you some background here, he has said like young earth creationism is is absurd. Sure. And that's almost entertaining because you see Pat Robertson getting in fights with Ken Ham and other creationists. You He's also love to see the infighting there. Oh my God, it's glorious. He's also said we should decriminalize pot. What? He's Pat Robertson. Yeah, I know. I can't believe it either. That one came out of nowhere. But this week, Pat Robertson said, um, who, by the way, I should say, Pat Robertson a couple of weeks ago said, um, I want to make sure I get this right. He was saying, he believed Trump would still win. He's this is after the election, weeks after the election. Pat Robertson said, We will not give up this great country and Satan, you cannot have it. That was a couple of that was a month ago. Anyway, this week, this week he said something amazing. He said basically it's over and Trump lost. And I'm going to quote here. Uh, okay. He said, I think it is all over. I think the Electoral College has spoken. I think the Biden corruption has not totally been brought to fruition, but it doesn't seem to be affecting the Electoral College. And I don't think the Supreme Court is going to move in to do anything. And I think we are going to see a President Biden. <laughs> and he says, the president still lives in an alternate reality. And then he kind of defended him, saying, like, I think Trump really does believe he had the biggest crowd on Inauguration Day and that he really is the most popular whatever. Like, to him, that is the truth. Um, But Pat Robertson said, I think it would be well to say you've had your day and it's time to move on. To Trump. Which is weird, coming from him, of all people. I mean... Oh, God. I was going to say, like, to be fair, there's literally no evidence of any sort of cheating or corruption. But then, like, when do they trust evidence to do anything? Yeah. Um, I'm sure, like, by next week, Pat Robertson will be saying something else insane. But for, like, whenever the broken clock gets right, right, like, all right, bring it up. Uh, Let me give you one small story. Then I'll get to one other big one that I want to get to. In Florida, there is a, uh, a county, Brevard County, that years ago, they have invocations at their meetings, and they specifically blocked atheists from giving those invocations. Hmm. Like they we basically, talk about that here? We probably did. They allowed clergy members to give the invocations, but that specifically excluded atheists from doing it. And one of the groups in the area, the Central Florida Free Thought Community, basically they, they tried warning them. They tried asking politely. Nothing worked. So they filed a lawsuit with the help of a lot of different church-state organizations, all of whom are like, what they're doing here is insane. Mm-hmm. You can't do that even under the law, even under the Supreme Court's uh, Greece v. Galloway ruling that says invocations are okay. Mm-hmm. You cannot block atheists from speaking. Long story short, that thing got appealed so many times and the county lost um, and it ultimately cost them $490,000. Nearly half a million dollars paid out by insurance, but that's how much it cost them. Wait, to wait, stop. Atheists. Yeah. 
Did you say ninety thousand dollars? Four nine zero. Oh, four ninety. I thought you said yeah. ninety thousand dollars and then said half a million, and I was like, "Boy, I you round up back yeah. in the math class, right?" <laughs> yeah. So after that happened a couple years ago, the county stopped invocations altogether, which is fine. Like, go just get to work. That's why you're there. And then last week, the, one of the commissioners, his name is Kurt Smith. He's one of the guys who helped create this whole mess years ago. He basically said he wants to bring invocations back. Why? I don't know. Like, it, you don't need them. You were clearly doing fine for years. But long story uh, short here, they basically said, okay, we've revised our policy so that it's not breaking the law this time. It's still... I think says the word clergy in it, but they've made it clear that when they say that they just mean your organization or the leader or whatever has to live in the County. You have to have a footprint in the County, which is fine. Um, and will allow anyone to do it. And one of the, the attorney for the County said, yeah, this should pass any legal muster. Um, the attorney also said, you certainly could see some unusual, unique, and possibly even fringe organizations qualifying for giving an invocation under the new policy. Um, one of the commissioners, who the only one who voted against this new policy, said, I don't know, you guys, I think I'm paraphrasing. Some speakers are going to game the system by saying they're a member of the cult of Cthulhu or the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, and they will make a mockery of the invocation, which is both kind of true, and also, so what? And also, what do you think Christians did for many years? Like, they made the mockery of the invocation by saying, oh, we're the only ones who count. Also, Cult of Cthulhu is my new book title. That's good, yeah. I mean, I good. I hope they, I should say, the they ran it by local reporters said, hey, atheist group, that sued over this the last time what do you think about this policy and they said well based on what they're saying about it it's open to everybody and we hope that's true and if that's true fine as long as they're not breaking the law when they do it i sincerely hope whenever they put the applications out there mm -hmm. like man satanic temple other non-christian groups get on top of that they're gonna make it first come first serve Mm -hmm. And it would be hilarious if non-Christian groups jumped on that. So they passed it four to one. That's mm -hmm. the new policy that they have in Brevard County. Uh, uh, we'll see how that goes. I mean, bad news. Cult, oh, Call of Cthulhu is a video game. Cult of Cthulhu still seems to be on the table. Cool. Excellent. Cool. It's your book title. You're good. <laughs> I'm good. I, I got one last story for you. And this is from our buddies at... Uh, Atheists for Liberty, which is the conservative group. Um, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Charlie Kirk, the conservative guy who everyone just dumps on on Twitter. Uh -huh. uh, he runs a group called Turning Point USA. It's to like radicalize right wing college groups. They had a conference last week in Florida where they can gather in large groups with no masks. And one of these right-wing atheist groups, Atheists for Liberty, purchased a booth there, um, which that in itself is not weird or unusual. But basically, you purchase a booth so you can tell these attendees, like, come join our group, mm -hmm. like, be a part of us. Sure. And I will set aside my personal biases against this group. I'm not exactly a fan. But here's the question that I want to know. Their, their argument for going there is they're doing good activism by reaching out to atheists in a place that other groups normally wouldn't go to. So they are spreading atheism to a group that doesn't normally hear it because you expect conservative Christian groups to be present at, an, at a place like this. Sure. And so my, here's my argument against what they're doing and why I don't think it's good activism per se. Um, you could go anywhere you want that atheists don't normally go to and say, come join our group. We, we don't normally go to these, I don't know, pick your hate group party. Right. And like, you could reach out to people that we don't normally see. But this group in particular, we are talking about a conference that had, I don't know, Ann Coulter, Dinesh D'Souza, Mike yeah. Pence folk there. These are not just like Republicans who are libertarians or people who agree on like economic policy or something. Mm -hmm. These are the ones who think the whole election was a fraud who support like church, uh, not 
tearing down church-state separation. They mm-hmm. oppose LGBTQ rights and abortion rights. They reject science, the right. pandemic. They there, there are so many pictures of people crowding together and not wearing masks mm-hmm. at this conference. I don't understand the value of reaching out to that crowd under the umbrella of we are atheists who theoretically support reason and logic. I don't understand that. I I don't like I'm setting aside the personal issues I have with everyone who is going to this place. Sure. Like I don't get that. Um, I could theoretically understand if an atheist group said we're going to like a right wing think tank that gets these academic economist like Republican types and saying, well, we support logic and reason and we think you're trying to be logical and re- and you're probably not religious. You don't care about the social issues. Right. You don't care about the things evangelical Christians tend to support those culture war issues. You're Republicans for other reasons. I kind of understand that logic. I do not understand why any atheist group would think this group that specifically goes against so many of the things most atheists, I think, would agree uh, is a logical consequence of being non-religious. What's what's the point of appealing to them? I don't get it. I'm I'm not asking you to defend them. I'm mostly like I'm still trying to figure out who you were trying to reach because It sounds like I've said this publicly, too. Like, if those are the people you want to reach, I don't think you get to pretend that you care about reason or logic or science or critical thinking or fact. If you think Rudy Giuliani, wherever he's speaking, is where you're going to find members, then I question the members you're trying to reach. I think there are plenty of places you can say, I know you want to expand your group and I know you want to, like, I don't know, spread the gospel of atheism or something. And there are places you could go to where people don't normally go. But this one, I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, there were pictures of this group speaking with the Epoch Times, which is a Falun Gong-backed conspiracy like spouting publication and they're like look we're getting attention from newspapers (laughs) like no you're not there was this was an exchange i saw on their twitter feed as well from the guy running the thing someone sarcastically ripped on a republican politician um who criticized donald trump and the guy on twitter said well that atheist guy dan crenshaw who said these nasty things about donald trump uh, is campaigning for Purdue and Leffler in Georgia. No, thanks, Rhino. Like, you're you're a Republican in name only. You're not really a Republican. Right. But he trashed him by saying, that atheist, Dan Crenshaw. Dan Crenshaw is not an atheist. Yeah, I'm he's looking at it up right now. Um, he is a Christian. He's a very conservative Christian, like, culture warrior type of Ben Shapiro in Congress. Imagine that. That's Dan Crenshaw. So right. this guy on Twitter used atheist as a pejorative to describe a Republican he wasn't happy with. And what did this atheist group say in response? Dan Crenshaw is an atheist? If if that's true, I like him even more. Uh, he's like, still kind of an asshole, even if he is an atheist. Yeah, and he's not. And the idea that it's like, all you care about is the word atheist and nothing that stems from it. Mm. Like, it's not true, first of all, so, so much for your logic. But also, <laughs> if it was true... What exactly are you supporting? Because, like, Crenshaw has supported, like, conservative Christian many things, um, as well as been accused of, like, bothering sexual harassment victims. That's a separate story. Religion is a bedrock for a moral society because it shows us that morality is absolute, not relative, or subject to popular cultural whims. Yeah. So that's not even a big, like, that's not, it's a minor thing that I'm bringing up there, but it's like, you don't even care what this guy stands for. You think being an atheist is the end goal, which it's not. Um, Michael Sherlock, the head of Atheist Alliance International, who we've talked about because he like uses, uh, what's the disabled language as a slur. Uh, uh Michael Sherlock congratulated this group for showing up to the conference. And he said, I would like to say a huge thank you and well done to AAI affiliate Atheist for Liberty for putting on such an impressive presentation and spreading atheism among conservatives in the U.S. What? 
again, to which I say, like, why? Why is that something impressive? I right. don't understand what's impressive about that. First of all, the atheists did. Well, there's no reason to think they won over the conservatives. The radical, like, right wing group here hoodwinked those atheists into thinking they're not that harmful. That's the only thing that happened. It, I do not get the logic behind reaching out to these people, these types of people at this type of convention, um, which ignored science, which ignored, played down the pandemic, which also, by the way, had like, I don't know, Hooters girls shooting money out of a cannon to the crowd uh-huh. because, I don't know, they hate socialism. I don't really understand. Yeah, yeah. It. you got it. Um, I don't know. I want to point this out. American Atheist for years, when Dave Silverman was running it, they went to CPAC um, and did the same thing for years and they got plenty of shit for it. And I don't know. Part of me thought, well, no one else is doing that. Maybe there's some value. They certainly got media attention for doing it. Sam B did a whole segment on it. Um, And then after Silverman got out of there because they pushed him out of there, like, they stopped doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the reason they stopped doing that, one reason is that CPAC actually said, we're not going to have you. You're not conservative enough. <laughs> but also, no one really pushed to change that at all. Because, right. like, why are you going to the conservative political action uh, conference? There's no one there you're really going to be impressed by counting as members. Mm-hmm. If they're going to CPAC, like the conspiracy-supporting Republicans, like, who are you trying to reach out to? I'm, I'm not making a comparison here. You could go to a KKK rally and find people who are hateful and not for religious purposes necessarily. Mm-hmm. But I can't imagine anyone would want to go there because like, who are you trying to pick up? What sort of people do you want to draw in as members? And I think they would agree with me on that. They would never go to a place like that. And yet they had no problem going to a place like this, even though these people espouse hateful conspiracy theory thinking mm-hmm. and they're fawning over the conservatives who are there. I don't, I don't understand it. If you're a listener, I mean, by all means, feel free to try to defend what they're doing. I'd love to hear it. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not even saying there are not atheist Republicans. I think you can be, mm-hmm. uh, I think you could say I am a conservative on these issues. Sure. Uh, even ones mm-hmm. that I disagree with, and it's not like you're a bad atheist. You're just, you, I don't align with your values. I don't understand why these Republicans are the ones you want to be buddy buddy with. If you claim to like science and logic and reason and facts and anything like that, mm-hmm. doesn't make sense to me. Anyway, apparently Crenshaw's eye, like his bad eye, he has a yeah, he has an eye patch. Yeah, he he's got a false eye mm-hmm. that is deep blue, and at the center where a pupil should be is the gold trident symbol of the Navy SEALs. Okay. Terrifying. I don't know if that's true. I'm this and I'm reading this out of the Washington Post because I obviously went down a rabbit hole and found getreligion.org wrote yeah. a piece called Washington Post offers nice but totally faith-free look at Crenshaw's redemption redemptive SNL visit. Yeah, like, that was stupid. Pete Davidson made a joke about Crenshaw when he got elected, making fun of his eye patch. Then the next week, he apologized for making that joke, and Dan Crenshaw came, and they wrote a nice bit for him that was actually funny. And then, but like, they didn't realize you're propping up a guy who supports a lot of horrible, horrible things. It's like writing a funny bit for Ted Cruz to do. Right. Like, why are you trying to help this guy's image? What is wrong with you? And then I think Pete Davidson later apologized for apologizing I don't oh, know. it was so stupid they have the wrong people writing these bits i don't get it anyway i'm just saying i don't understand the appeal of trying to appeal to these conservatives yeah. just what are you doing go to a go to a place that's just conservative in spirit <laughs> <laughs> find i again this is the problem with it's not that atheists can't be republicans but i don't understand why people who care about atheism and the umbrella of issues that are related to that science mm-hmm. education, uh, no religious preference in government. If you care about that stuff, today's Republican party is not for you. Yeah. You don't, I'm not they've saying left you have to you. Like, they've left you. Yeah. Like, why are you trying to appeal to them? You're not changing their minds. I promise you they are changing yours. Yeah. It's, it's a bad look, whatever. Okay. I'm 
done. Um, I just want to give uh, a quick overview of uh, Christmas in the square. Christmas in the square, the square. On the square. Which movie is this one? Now, this is a Dolly Parton feature that is um, streaming on Netflix. It's starring the, obviously, the goddess Dolly Parton. Yes. Incredible Christine Baranski, who is brilliant in everything she does. Um, and also uh, Janine Mason, who won a season of America, uh, not America's Next Top Model, but uh, Say Thing You Can Dance that I was really invested in. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, it, it's it's it kind of reeks of like a high school musical. Like it's very clearly on a sound stage. One thing I did just want to bring up that I think our listeners will be interested in. Um, it's a it definitely has it, it's more heavy handed Christianity than most. Hallmarky type. Oh, really? Are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of our main characters is a pastor. Um, would you like to guess his name? What? His name is Pastor Christian. <laughs> Very subtle. Like. Uh-huh. 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 Um, anyway, I really, I mean, I know Christmas is over, but I would really encourage everybody to get out and watch it. Um, Dolly Parton plays a, an angel. Guess what her name is? Angel? Yes! Oh, my God. At the naming convention. That was a guess. <laughs> anyway, um, it's really quite good. Uh, at one point, Dolly Parton uh, does appear as a uh, homeless person, but still in, like, a full makeup and her full wig <laughs> look. Uh, and yeah. she's carrying a box. Guess what the box says, Hammett? It says change. And change has go two box. meanings. Oh, no, that would <laughs> that would have been extremely funny. Um, I cannot recommend this movie more highly. It's extremely bad. Um, I loved every moment of it. The songs are weird and like aggressively uninspiring. Um, you give a good review to God's Not Dead 4, aren't you? I mean, I might. Like, my standards are low. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I would really highly recommend. Like, don't wait till next Christmas, y'all. Watch it. Watch it today. Watch it on Boxing Day. Um, also, I watched. Uh, Mikey and I have been watching Christmas movies for the last two days. How weird is it not to have anything to do for Christmas? Yeah. It was so bizarre. Um, but so Mikey and I just watched uh, Christmas movies for like two days straight. Um, and so yesterday we watched um, It's a Wonderful Life and A Christmas Carol. Excuse me. A Muppet classic. Christmas Carol. Oh, That's so, still a classic. It's all good. <laughs> it's so good. Um, and boy, I don't know what how conservatives can watch those movies and not get the lesson that conservatism <laughs> sucks. Like what, what moral are they getting from those movies? Helping the poor stupid movie. Only nerds do that. <laughs> um, also watch home alone for the first time in like what? eight years or oh. so. No, not for the first time ever. And every time I watch it, I forget friend of the show, Ken Campbell, who's an actor and a friend of my family's, uh, plays the Santa Claus in there and maybe the most iconic Santa Claus performance of our generation. So, you know, just a shout out to them. Um, that's it. We got so much shit for our dog. It's kind of embarrassing. Splurge. Have yeah. Fun. She really liked it. We like to make her unwrap things. Okay. Um, do you have any charming Christmas anecdotes that you would like to, ch- to share? Were your kids filled with the spirit of Christmas? Uh, they're, they're, they're spoiled. Did they get a PS5? No, they haven't figured out what video games are yet. They got garbage trucks and dresses in some order. <laughs> Those are the things <laughs> they like. Dresses. Yeah. Oh, do, is your youngest one of those kids who's obsessed with garbage, the garbage yeah. people and like waves out the window? That's very, um, very cute. Uh, less, less that than just... Um, he's he's going to drive a garbage truck when he's older, which is fine. Cool. But also, that's all he wants to play with. Oh, well. Oh, and you, you have know. no idea how complicated these toys get. What? They have toys that pick up other garbage cans, and that's a toy, and they're automated, and they make noises. I had no idea they were this complicated. That's incredible. Um, Mikey gets a... Uh, 
Christmas ornament from his aunt, his godmother every year. He's 41. So we have 41 of these on our tree. Um, and this year she got him this like NES, like a Nintendo oh, yeah, yeah. thing. And it plays the Mario theme song. Oh my God. And Dottie is baffled by it like she won't stop staring she does like the head tilt thing just like what is making a noise in that tree the fuck is going on um they will not get a ps5 and the reason is i think it's so many light years beyond the last video game system i played that i would not know how to handle it oh yeah and the games would mean they would make no sense to me i've seen reviews of them and i've seen videos trailers of some of these games and i'm like the hell is going on here I don't, I'm not, I'm not knocking it. It sounds no, very I mean, interesting. I'm just like, I have no idea what's going on here. Anymore. Yeah. The last video game. System, Where's Dr. Mario? Yeah. The last video game system I played regularly was Nintendo 64, which I think still owns fucking bones and everything is too complicated after that. Cause I'm an old person now, I guess. The reviews always seem like, wow, these, these seem very intense and immersive. There's so many buttons. And that too. And just yeah. too many. Um, okay. Next week, we still got to do a year in review, which we'll get out to the, to listeners who are Patreon subscribers soon. Yeah. And so if you're a subscriber, go to patreon.com plus slash podcast spreadsheet. It's almost ready to go. I have a few things to fill this year. Fucking sucked as usual. (laughs) Um, and so it will be, it'll be fun, but I do want to have a glass of wine while we're doing that. So, um, I will. Yeah, we can do it at night. (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you all soon. Have a good holiday, whatever you can. Mm -hmm. Do whatever you can. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.